The Internet History Podcast is brought to you by MetaLab. Their slogan is MetaLab, we make interfaces. For a decade, MetaLab has helped some of the world's top companies and entrepreneurs build products that millions of people use every day. You probably didn't realize it at the time, but the odds are you've used an app that they've helped design or build. Apps like Slack, Coinbase, Facebook Messenger, Oculus, Lonely Planet, and many more. MetaLab wants to bring their unique design philosophy to your project. Let them take your brainstorm and turn it into the next billion-dollar app, from idea sketched on the back of a napkin to a final shipped product. Check them out at metalab.co. That's metalab.co. Welcome to the Internet History Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Brian McCullough. 20 years ago, the acclaimed documentarian Doug Block released a landmark film called Homepage. Doug's documentary accidentally chronicled the birth of blogging, featuring several people we've talked to on this very show, including Justin Hall. But the documentary also captured a moment in time. The web going mainstream, the beginnings of the dot-com bubble, the early days of things like Wired, Hotwired, and Suck, and also so many of the things that I ask people about on the show regularly. How people learned to live online, to begin to port all of modern life over to the digital. Well, Homepage is celebrating its 20th anniversary with a re-release, and starting this week, you can buy it or rent it yourself. Everywhere films are gettable, including iTunes. Today, we speak to Doug Block about this amazing movie that I think is one of the best historical records of the era that we have been interrogating for nearly five years on this podcast. Go watch Homepage yourself and check out The D Word, Doug's community for documentarians at d-word.com. Doug Block, thanks for coming on the Internet History Podcast. Good to be here. So uh, we are going to be discussing what, in my mind, is an epochal film, a documentary that covers exactly straight down the middle what this entire project podcast has been about. Um, So first of all, um, tell us about the uh, documentary and where we can see it immediately or soon after listening to this episode. Sure. I thought you almost said apocalyptic. Well, (laughs) we'll see. (laughs) Uh, The film is Homepage. Two words, not one, which is actually quite significant. Um, And it was a film that is now having its 20th anniversary re-release on um, digital and DVD uh, on Wednesday, April 16th. So we should be able to order it on iTunes and... Yeah, iTunes is the preferred place, but it'll be on a lot of different digital platforms. and if people want to know how to get there, the easiest way is just to go homepagethemovie.com. Excellent. Um, but the film is really about the early uh, blogging pioneers of the internet, and particularly this one fella, Justin Hall, who's considered by at least the New York Times as the founding father of personal blogs. Well, and there are several people um, that are in this movie that have been on the show. Stephanie Simon, we were just talking about... Uh, who else? Uh, oh, I haven't spoken to Jamie Levy yet. Um, well, Carl. Carl, Joey and Carl, right, exactly. From Suck. So there's a lot of uh, Suck stuff in there, early Wired stuff is in there. Just, it's absolutely, again, if you've listened to the almost 200 episodes of this podcast, Whoa. this is right up your alley. Uh, so let's start with how did the project come about? Because I think you even say at the beginning that you thought you were doing a, a video diary of your daughter. Uh, which I eventually made into a film of sorts uh, mm-hmm. called The Kids Grow Up many years later. Um, but that wasn't until Lucy was turning, uh, about to turn 18 and go through her last year of school before leaving home. Um, but it incorporated all this footage that I shot over the years. I was you know, just in the early stages of, the, of this trying to think like, what kind of film can you make as a parent about your daughter growing up? And I was mulling that 
And then all of a sudden, I started to hear more and more about this thing called the internet, you know, and email was just starting to take off and I was just starting to use it and realized how quickly communication was changing by emailing and going back and forth with someone and how relationships could just kind of flame up really quickly by the very nature of email and how you project other people that you don't see, um, uh, qualities about them. Uh, and I just found something, I, I, I just had this sense that the internet was going to profoundly change the way we communicate with each other. Um, and so I started to explore it as a <coughs> as a documentary filmmaker. Um, this is like has to be ninety four. Right? No, this was ninety six. Okay, ninety six. Right. I already thought I was too late. Yeah, it's like oh dear, you know, like this has already happened, right? And I'm like too late to the party. But in terms of what Justin was doing and what bloggers were doing, it was just taking off. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, really, my goal was to somehow get to the nerve center of the internet, you know, of the digital revolution. Um, and that all roads led to Justin. So was it just a process of like reaching out to people like, who should I be talking to? Right. And, and because I guess your, your stepson was at Swarthmore? He was at Swarthmore, but um, before I, I read an article by uh, John Seabrook in The New Yorker, and it was a lot of it was focused on Justin, and he thought Justin, what Justin was doing was remarkable, and that all links were flowing in and out of Justin's mm -hmm. site, which was called links.net. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I started talking, you know, I just asked around, who should I talk to? Who knows this stuff? <clears throat> and um, uh, a friend suggested I speak to this friend of theirs called Judy, named Judy Rose, who was a web consultant. Mm -hmm. And you know, started telling me about how, you know, citing some statistics about how the web was taking off. You know, when you hear it now, it's just very amusing how small it was. Um, but she was talking about how profoundly, you know, overwhelming the numbers. I, somebody were. says uh, there's four thousand new sites a day or something right. like that. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and anyway, you know, it's kind of like one step led to another, um, one recommendation to another. I did a few interviews, but people just kept bringing up Justin's name. And so I, uh, I managed to arrange uh, a shoot with him. You know, he was coming to New York for some reason. I knocked on this door where he was staying. He opens it. I see that hair mm -hmm. cascading straight up about a foot into the air and cascading down from there. I go like, oh, Oh, I think I'm onto something here. And then, you know, after about two, three minutes with him, you just know you are talking to somebody very smart and witty and charismatic and kind of a perfect subject. The um, how 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 readily? I mean, because the 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 Justin that you capture is very much in the mode of, yeah, listen, I'll share anything with anybody. Like, so how readily was he? Uh, on board with like, yeah, you can follow me around with a camera. That's great. <coughs> he was pretty on board from the beginning, but I tried not to make it seem like the film was about him. But you knew right away it was. I kind of knew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I felt, why tell him that? Mm -hmm. You know, why put that pressure on him? Why um, burden him with the idea of having to carry it. I told him I'm exploring the web. I was fascinated by his website. I just wanted to learn more about his story. And then, you know, I'd be, you know, and, and, and absolutely wanted recommendations from him of like who was doing interesting stuff. I was looking for people doing the most interesting stuff on the internet. And I wasn't interested in the big companies and, you know, who were trying to get streaming off the ground. I mean, or, you know, we're trying to um, make the most money out of right. the internet. I, I was immediately attracted to the personal websites, which are now known as blogs, but you know back then were known as homepages. Right. Uh, thus the title, and um, you know I found myself drawn to sites like um, 
uh, you know, days and nights of me and my dog. Well, I, I wrote this down. There's because um, you you actually one of the things that's great about it is on screen you show some of the early pages that you're mm-hmm. you know as you're trying to learn about the web like things like Todd's gallery of pathetic human regret and exactly like, and like it, that alone is worth watching the movie to see like that era of like web design of what was possible and then getting the sense of what were people like I've struggled to explain this because the early web was a lot of everything but at the same time nothing you know right. like so it's a great it's worth it alone to capture what people were actually doing oh sure you know, there's this classic scene when I go, when I'm at Swarthmore following Justin, and he's teaching a course on web ethics. Mm. And I talked to some of the students in his class, and they have a very popular website, which is their dorm cam. Right. Which is just a, you know, a, a you know, stationary camera, like a, what's now looked, seems like a GoPro cam, mm-hmm. on their, mounted over their door facing you know their dorm room and they were very proud of like getting 45,000 hits mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on it you know like who would want to come to your dorm well you know it's people find it very interesting to see what real people are doing on the internet well and the the film also captures this moment in time of people trying to grok what what is this now what am I going to do with it? What are you doing with it? You follow Justin around the country as he is literally on a lecture tour where he's doing that. He's saying, this is what the web is, and this is what I do on it, and this is what you could do on it. And Yeah. Well, I found his idealism very captivating. Um, and I was heavily influenced, you know, uh, and, and in many ways, you know, following Justin was a, a, a you know, a, you know, life-changing mm-hmm. for me in, in, in two profound ways, um, which I, I guess ahead, we'll get into. Yeah, no, go ahead. Tell me now. Well, he, first of all, a combination of encouraged and um, nagged and um, cajoled me into uh, and inspired me into keeping my own blog. Um, I thought that would be good because it would it would allow me to experience what he was experienced by putting... You know your words up online, and then seeing what kind of reaction you got. And in those days, they didn't have the mechanism for comments mm-hmm. by readers. Um, now Justin knew because he knew how to you know use the analytics and find out right. how many hits he was getting. I probably could have. I kind of didn't want to know. I found it easier to write if I just imagined nobody was actually reading it. Um, but I kept up a running blog. Um, and, and instead of writing about my personal life in, in, uh, in such a candid way as Justin did, um, I decided I would write about the making of the film. That I'd be on very safe ground uh, doing that. But inevitably, over the course of three years of keeping up this blog, it became more and more personal, which influenced me to make the film more and more personal as I got, you know, bigger and better reactions to my blog by making it more personal. And thus, Homepage became the first of a series of personal documentaries that I've made and are and, and pretty much known for. Right. Um, so, so that's one way. I wouldn't he, have made personal documentaries at all. He nudged you just. to get personal as your metier, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that it was okay, and it was like actually really interesting to other people if... if if you were speaking from a very candid, you know, well-intentioned place, that people got it, you know, and they were interested in that far more than you're coming off as some sort of expert about something. Um, and then the other, you know, transformative influence he had was was when the film actually came out into distribution at the end of its distribution run. Um, I was just so exhausted about writing for myself. I was just sick of hearing myself speaking. Um, uh, you know, and the intention of writing the blog was to, you know, encourage and inspire other filmmakers, particularly documentary filmmakers, by sharing my own experience while I was in the weeds of doing it. You know, not coming from after the fact, from the perspective of having a film that was successful, like most books are written about filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I thought, wow, this would be really interesting if in real time over the years it takes me to finish it, you're reading what the experience is like for me of like trying to raise the finishing funds or, you know, in the thick of editing when you can't see the forest for the trees. And it's like, why did I ever think this was going to be a, a good film? You know, what kind of idiot was I to think that you could make a story about the internet? Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, when you, you know, when we got selected for Sundance, the actual anxiety and madness around premiering a film at Sundance, rather than, oh, isn't it great? Here we are, let's do a selfie at Sundance. Aren't we cool? Um, anyway, three years of that got me pretty sick and tired <laughs> of it. <laughs> particularly in the distribution phase where it's hard to be quite as candid because you're dealing with such incredible assholes <laughs> that you don't want to just like name names to the same degree um, and you know people who just have no integrity and lie madly to your face and don't do what they say they're going to do and break contracts or you know or break their word um, and so I, you know, got more and more interested in uh, virtual communities as I was making the film because Justin started working for Howard Rheingold, who was, um, you know, kind of the master of virtual community. And um, kind of on a whim, when a friend and I were in conversation, we got to talking and he mentioned how easy it would be to just actually start a virtual community. And I thought documentary filmmakers would make an ideal virtual community. And the next day, the D word uh, transitioned from being my personal blog to being a virtual community for documentary professionals worldwide. And here we are 20 years later, celebrating our 20th anniversary. And um, we have over 17,000 members from 130 countries. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so it is, you, you sort of practiced exactly what you were preaching in the movie and like well I'm getting ahead of myself here's here's my first observation okay um, the the film captures like I said everybody trying to figure out um, what it is that we can do with this like what is the utility in my life for this but then because you were sort of a newbie like it is about you like like some of the early questions that you're asking people when you're interviewing them are like so, like, do you have to protect your reputation? Like, why would you share this? And, so, and then over the course, of, like, the, you can f hear that go away even in the questions that you ask. So it's, like, almost like you're the audience surrogate um, of, like, learning to live online. Like, what does it mean? What are the trade-offs? Uh, you're showing your family, your, your, your parents getting a computer and, and learning to communicate via that for the first time. So it's, it's like, it's priceless in capturing even through you, the transition that everybody made in mm -hmm. those years. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't something that I went in with the intention of doing. I, I mean, I just kind of went in as a blank slate. Mm -hmm. I didn't know much technically. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, and, um, and so when it came time to edit, you know, I think that was uh, really the place to start. You right. know, I mean, it... it, it um, once... We started editing. I realized it was going to be a personal documentary because I'd already shot it, right. you know, and I'd shot all these scenes with my wife and my daughter and my parents, and um, and really one of the major reasons why I went there was because I thought what all these young people were doing on the internet were were, were was pretty out there, right? Um, you know, it was not the norm of human experience, and I felt like, ooh, if all you see are those people you're going to take them after a while for the norm and not see how out there they are unless you have you know a group that is what we consider more normal you right, know right. to compare them to well this is exactly what i'm saying is that again it's almost like it's uh anthro you're an anthropologist at the beginning and like the, look at these weirdos these out there people that are doing this thing yeah. and then as you're saying it evolved into you running for 20 years the most successful online community for documentary professionals like so it captures the transition of like what is this thing why do I need to use email to like well this is how modern life works 
you capture it with your family, you capture it with yourself. And so, like, I think that that's what makes it priceless as a documentary because it's not just capturing these people that were there at this period, mm-hmm. but you're actually capturing the transition of it being this out there thing that look at these weirdos doing it to, oh, well, this is what we all do now. Well, I think, you know, an important point to make is that by the end of the film, I'm not a successful online person with the most successful. I'm just right. starting right. this documentary community. Actually, you don't even know I'm doing exactly. That. I'm still working on my blog at the end of the film, which is why I think it's so interesting to look back on this film from a 20-year perspective. Mm-hmm. I think it, it, it definitely captured a certain moment back then. Um, it's funny, though. I, I, in preparation for this interview, mm-hmm. I, I looked at parts of my blog for the first time in many, many, many years, mainly because I wanted to look up the name of a certain company I was, mm-hmm. I was dealing with at the time. And I looked at the... Um, blog entry I made on the day that it came out theatrically in New York at the same time it was going to be online uh, for free at a company called iFilm and it was going out on home video on this company called Big Star all at the same time mm-hmm. but I was about to read the New York Times review which of course is what you know determines you know at least back then whether mm-hmm. your film is going to succeed or not get booked into other cities um, and I wrote down that, you know, I was trying to, you know, express my, you know, anxiety over reading it. I was sort of delaying reading it um, a bit because um, I suspected the critic didn't quite get the Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I wrote a line saying, you know, regardless of what he writes, you know, I just see this future for this film online as a, you know, kind of this unique historical document of the early days of the web, mm-hmm. um, which was an interesting comment to make back in, you know, right. uh, 1999, I think. Um, well, and an interesting thing, too, is so you start working on this in 96, and then by the time it comes out, again, this is a weird period in time where you think you're late to it. You capture a certain section of the very beginning. You capture some, like, you know, uh, attempting to launch Hotwired and things like that. But then by the time it comes out, like the, the bubble's in full swing and about to burst, you know? So it's so weird that how, like, even even that small period of time, there's like, you know, I've been doing 200 episodes on this period of time at this point. It was, it was an odd time when it came out because, um, well, my timing all along was odd. As I said, you know, I, I felt like I was too late coming to the party when I was mm-hmm. shooting. Uh, and playing a certain degree of catch-up. And then um, at the same time, when it came, when it was at Sundance, I, there was weirdly very little interest in it. You know, they, hmm. it, it seemed like, uh, you know, a few people kind of got it and were intrigued, but Justin felt a bit like an outlier and, mm-hmm. and um, uh, you know, uh, several people you know, let me know in certain ways that they found he found him off-putting what he was doing mm-hmm. in terms of invading other people's privacy publicly. Um, the next year at Sundance, Park City was lined with Winnebago's from dot-com companies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was a film there called Startup.com right. that was like one of the big hits at Sundance because all of a sudden the internet was all about who was making money and what big companies were coming in throwing their money around to you know, possibly to filmmakers. Um, and everybody wanted in at Sundance. So I was a year too early there. That That's was funny. unfortunate. <clears throat> Put a pin in that because I do want to come back to that thought too. But let me let me just, I, these are from my notes from watching it. Like some of the things that like you actually capture people wrestling with. And some of them are your questions to them and some of them are like what they're bringing up. Like um, why can't you talk to people in person? What about just having a conversation? Why are you? Why would you just do it over chat or text or something like that? Like that—that that feels right. <laughs> anachronistic. Well, well, Justin was a provocateur. Yeah. You know, I mean, he—that it was Justin that I was asking that question to, um, because he really pushed the envelope mm-hmm. in terms of revealing what people said. And he was trying to engage people in a certain amount of back and forth, which we would now, by the way, do in instant messenger right. or, you know, privately. But at the time, you're feeling like it's passive aggressive. Why not just go have a conversation? Yeah. Right. 
And he goes, well, why can't people talk to each other? Why, why do we have affairs? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, he was trying to get at conversation that made people uncomfortable um, by being you know, radically honest. And so everybody who came in contact with Justin had to be super aware of what they were saying, including me. The, you talked to, I think it's you talking to a woman, or she's talking to you about uh, the, her online self is not the real me, or is it the real me? And again, capturing this moment of, like you and I were talking off the air about how you deal with kids now. Like that's something that you don't get to uh, come to terms with when you're, like that's innate now. Like yeah. the idea of like, what is the real you? How do you represent yourself in these different realms? Yeah, I mean, this was pre-Facebook, pre-Instagram, mm -hmm. where we now, everybody, every day wrestles with their self-representation. Yeah. Do I, you know, do I have too many shots of myself smiling? Maybe I should do a serious post <laughs> yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. Um, the curation much, of ourselves, yeah. of our images. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was a certain degree of curation back there, but um, actually what was so interesting to me about Justin was he was so unfiltered, you know, he didn't seem to be about curation. He seemed to be about splattering all his thoughts down onto his blog every day in this kind of ongoing uh, online diary. Uh, and he was a good writer. I don't think I would have been nearly as interested in him if he wasn't a, a, a really interesting writer. And his use of the language of the internet was interesting. The way he used incorporated links into his writing uh, was really clever and witty. Um, so you always wanted to click on a link because he kind of made them suspenseful. You didn't quite know necessarily where he was linking Is it to. a joke or is like, is there a, an extra meaning to what he's actually pointing me to? Right, he, he trained the suck guys to, to, to do that as well. Yeah, yeah. and trained me. Yeah, um, two, two more observations. Uh, someone says, if you had video uh, would, would you ever stop doing that? Yeah, Justin said that. <laughs> what if we had video? And guess what? Yeah. He's doing now video. Exactly. Um, and then someone says, imagine if all of your relatives have web pages. Yeah. Like, again, that's conceptually so far at the time beyond the, there's no way my mom would ever have a web page. Well, guess what? Yeah. Everyone's mom has a web page. By the way, pretty much everybody you're quoting is Justin. Okay. <laughs> So, so you know. All right. I mean, he's thinking about these things that actually, you know, absolutely happened. You know, he was foreseeing the future. Um, I mean, he, again, he was doing it from a, a very idealistic viewpoint. Like, wouldn't it be great if your relatives had web pages and then they could tell their story and you're sharing your story and everybody around the world is sharing their story and we'd all understand each other so much better. And it took somebody like Carl from Suck. Mm-hmm you know, who, who says probably the most important lines in the film that, you know, we all thought we were, you know, we all thought it was a revolution. It was no revolution yeah. because you can't change the nature of people. And sometimes people don't like each other. So that's in my notes as well. So the two other things that I think you capture, and this is very interesting to me, is the disillusionment of, these, of this first wave um, people are saying by the end of the movie, oh, we thought we were going to get rich, we're not getting rich or something. You know, the, the leaders are always the ones with the arrows in their backs. And <clears throat> it is interesting to me that a lot of that first generation were not the people that created what ultimately lasted, the Googles, the Facebooks. the um, and, and I'm wondering, this is just me th thinking out loud, they were the idealists. And they, that was the problem. <laughs> well, it was also not just that they were idealists. They were the artists and not the business people. Good point. I mean, to them, the internet was this art form yeah. as well. Even their coding, the, the presentation of their site was a form of art. I mean, Suck site was in those little narrow columns, you know, uh, uh, very minimalist, but elegant. Mm -hmm. um, was very well thought out. Feed's site was, was well thought out. Um, and even when they joke about, you know, they're not making their money, they're not cashing in, I mean, that wasn't really what it was about for them. 
they were in it for a much deeper, more profoundly human reason, which was they wanted to be seen. They wanted to be known, they wanted to be understood. And they saw the internet as a platform for that. And so they're also almost the first to be disillusioned by the web. The web lets them down because it doesn't become the thing that they thought it would become. Well, Carl again says it very well. He says, what were we looking for? We're all looking for Bobo. Mm -hmm. The person that will make everything, the person that will understand us and make everything all right. You know, that if you share enough of yourself out on the internet, Bobo will find you. You won't know how Bobo will find you, but if you just put yourself out there. They were all looking for intimacy and um, personal connection in probably the most public platform you possibly could. Um, and that's, um, and, and what was so fascinating to me about Justin, it was so clearly clear that that's what he was out for. And yet, what was he doing? He's revealing all these things about people he interacts with in a very public way, including some you know, of their most embarrassing moments, or you know, um, having sex with them, or mm -hmm. getting herpes from mm -hmm. them, or whatever, whatever it was he was sharing. You know, that was guaranteed to keep him from getting what he was most looking for. Um, I mean, how can you have an intimate relationship with someone when you're threatening to reveal everything they say to you or everything you do together? And you have a ton of followers, avid readers. You also capture, and this is the thing that I struggle with all the time now, <clears throat> Carl's quote of, of you might not like your neighbor this idea and maybe because I'm of this era I was coming up in this time I still am pissed or at least confused by the fact that oh if you just give everybody access to all the information in the world and you give everyone a voice and a platform that'll be great that'll be utopia it kinda isn't <laughs> Well, yeah, if you go to any of the comments pages on any, uh, any, any article that's ever posted yeah. now on yeah. the internet, yeah. um, you get like in incredibly divisive comments. It, it, you know, I, I, yeah, it's very discouraging um, and depressing. Yeah, and, and so like that's what it's it captured for me, and this is me projecting onto it, but like it... It reinforced again, yeah, the the miracle that I thought that the internet would be. Um, it's, it is miraculous in a lot of ways, but I could not have anticipated in the years that you were filming this movie the extent to which the downside was just as powerful. Yes. Um, and some of the people are in real time experiencing that, Justin, among them. Right. Um, where already, you know... People are experiencing terrible, having terrible experiences online and, and retrenching from being online. Right. Um, by the way, are you hearing all this noise? I, I am. There? I'm not they're, quite they're sure. Having some sort of. Uh, it's not, it's not loud enough that it's, uh, it's, it's, in, it's in the background, but okay. yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I, I see it in terms of you know, running a community mm -hmm. um, and why we've managed to stay, you know, and thrive for 20 years and I, I, it, for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. um, it took a lot of work. I mean, it was, it's, it's heavily moderated. In the first couple of years, me and my fellow co-host um, set a tone of etiquette. And if you didn't follow it, you would be removed. Mm -hmm. And... Um, we also set a, an example of sharing, of, um, of encouragement and sharing and a kind of just positive encouragement of each other um, and friendliness and warmth, and, you know, and just uh, kind of an openness and candor, you know, I mean, all those qualities, uh, plus we weren't charging money for it. Um, and I think people caught on really quickly that you don't want to upset the apple cart. You know, and there was one guy who was sort of a notorious ranter 
that we let in because he was a well-known filmmaker. And he, in fact, did start to rant and abuse it. And we gave him a couple of warnings. And he, you know, we finally had to kick out. We've had to kick out four people in the 20 years. Mm. Um, actually, two years later, he begged to come back on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we wouldn't, you know, it's just. Um, so I think part of the issue with the Internet now is these comments are done, first of all, anonymously. Mm -hmm. So people don't have to defend them themselves in person. And it is not in person. It's done in a way that I think most people don't even, um, aren't even aware at many times of the hurt they're causing or the pain they're causing. They're just unleashing their own frustrations or insecurities or, or getting stuff off their chest, you know, or political beliefs, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, it's not done with the goal of civility. If anything, it's done in, in just the opposite. You know? Well, it's almost, again, it's almost Justin's provocative instinct that you capture as well. Like, that is something that is native to the Internet. Um, and that's something that, like, the Internet almost empowers. Like, <clears throat> it's, some, it's somehow instinctual to go on and want to be provocative. Right. And somehow the Internet is just this medium that amplifies that sort of instinct. Right. But it's very different. I mean, there, there are certain platforms that instigate this more, you yeah. know, or inspire it more. Like Twitter. Yeah. You know, because it's such a, you know... Because it's done these little short staccato bursts, um, it's much more uh, uh, set up for somebody to just throw out their opinions, and then it's the opinions that get um, that get debated back and forth. Yeah. You know, these were people doing personal blog posts and putting you know time and effort into it, and I think the comments for those are always much more supportive yeah. over the years. I mean, it's very rare for somebody to get on and really blast somebody for a blog post. But the gamification of it is still there. Because you're in the movie, you see people like checking their logs and seeing, like, well, how many people read this? Someone says at some point, well, I thought, you know, people would always ask me about Justin's website, and then when I would go look, people wouldn't actually have read as much. But so what I'm saying is, is that things like Twitter, it is all about what's my, what's my follower count? On Instagram, how many hearts did I get? Yeah. Like, so everyone, it, there's always that gamification of uh, what are my numbers? I need bigger numbers. What are the, what's the thing that's going to get the more, more engagement and things like that? Like right. That's always been there. It, it has. Um, the example you just cited was, was actually, it's, it's really more stunning than that because this was... Um, a quote from the husband uh, of, of this woman who was having an affair with um, where both she and the guy were keeping real-time online diaries of their affair. Mm -hmm. And here's the poor husband. Um, first of all, you know, saying that he actually appreciated her writing it so that she, he knew what she was up to. Otherwise, he wouldn't have known. Mm -hmm. And two... Uh, you know, if people asked what, what 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 she was up to, he could just say, um, "Go read her uh, home." Awaken dot org. Yeah. org, and you can read all about. It. He didn't have to explain. And then he said, "And by the way, you know, then I went and checked how many hits it was getting, and barely anybody right, went, right. which goes to show you that they profess to be interested, but they're really not." Which I just found the weirdest combination of. Of messages and right. intentions that that he was, get, you know, I, you know, I don't know if that was intrinsic to the internet or just his own personal psychology. He was an IT guy. Well, there's also a sense of, I don't know how it reads to you twenty years on, but there's this sense of naivete that everyone has, where it's hard to look at it now and not feel like, oh, you, you poor fools, you have no idea what this really is or what you're, you're in for. Um, I think it's the same woman where she's, at, towards the end of the movie, she's trying to put all of the stories of her life online so that people can discover and she'll learn if you can really know someone without knowing them and things like that. By the way, the website's not there. I tried to go to it. and so the, the, the ephemerality of this, like right. people putting all of their heart and soul into this. And then, so it's like, 
20 years on, it's hard not to feel more sophisticated about it. Well, of course yeah. no one was going to read your life stories and stuff like that. Well, what was even sadder to me was, um, you know, she felt like, you know, they'd been married, I think, about five years at this point, And she felt like she'd, she, she wanted to tell all these life stories of her so that people would know her as well as her husband mm-hmm. knew her. Mm-hmm. Like, she told all her stories to her husband, and now she wants... The world, and again, it's just these sort of strange motivations mm-hmm. I found, you know. But it all, and and, and somewhat sad, mm-hmm. and it came down to this, like I said, very human desire to be known, um, and 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 as if we tell the stories of our life, we will be known and understood. Um, and yeah, I mean, who, we we like to think they're going to live on right. in time, right. forever. Right. But you know, like any any piece of art, you know, I'd like to think my movies will be right. you know up there and available in twenty years. Who the hell knows in this digital age? You know, I'm lucky if they're you know if I can keep you know a drive going for, for three years. Right. It, it, well, there's that, and then it also made me sense. Uh, so then I think, oh, how naive you are people of 20 years ago but then you think to yourself well but I assume that I'm keeping up with everybody if I'm paying attention to their Facebook posts and their Instagram posts so like I'm I'm in touch with everybody but then you think well but maybe I'm as naive do I really know what's up with my friends and family just because every morning I get updates on what they've done in the last 24 hours you really don't look we're all very naive about this stuff like I like most people use their Facebook page as a way to just, on a day-to-day basis, keep in touch with family right. and friends right. and loved ones. And, but you know, or is it, that really? Are you more distant? Because because since you because since you think, oh, I know what's up with Aunt So and So, you don't actually take the time to make the call because you've gotten the information, but you're not. You don't really know. You you're missing out on that deeper right. connection. Well, who has the time? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time for. Yeah, you know, deep connections. These well, days. it comes back to why not just have a conversation? With right. <laughs> well, if you have a kid, you're lucky yeah. if you can hold a conversation with your wife. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, or, yeah. or husband. You know, it's like without going blah 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 blah. You know, it's 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 tough. Um, but what I was going to say was, I'm, you know, I I'm one of the few people who uses their Facebook page in a kind of curated way. Like mm-hmm. I I I put photos up there. Most people go to Instagram to put photos. I put yeah. photos up. I put you know, a little bit of film stuff up. I put a little bit of personal stuff. I like to mix it up thinking that, you know, with this weird idea that somebody might go to my Facebook page, go back and they could see like what I've been up to the last few years, 10 years now, I guess. Um, And primarily myself, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's it's kind of an online diary that I keep for myself, but also it's a public site. I have almost 5,000 Facebook friends, you know, so I'm very aware that there is this curatorial aspect, which is totally naive. Nobody uses it that way. Nobody. I'm so deluded to think that anybody would go back and look and, you know, see beyond my last few posts. Right. Uh, it's absurd. And then, you know, now it's probably all going to be taken down. It could be taken down at any moment. Mm-hmm. probably will be taken down at almost any moment. Today, one of the headlines is, is the Google Plus takedown is beginning right now. So if you had stuff on that platform, it's... Right, being taken down. I mean, I should probably go in and save some of my better Facebook posts. You know, <laughs> immediately take some screenshots yeah. and like create a folder because it will at any moment the rug will be pulled out and um, you know, I mean that's the way it goes. But I, you know, it's fascinating how Justin and his uh, his wife actually now his his new wife. I say new wife, but I think it's been about three years almost. Um, feel looking back on his on his links.net mm-hmm. blog you know i mean thousands and thousands of pages there that the are of now archive half the links don't work anymore yeah, yeah he's taken down some of the links you know the ones where he named names um he went back in and purged some of those because it were it was he didn't anticipate search engines mm. and that when people did a search on their names some of the embarrassing things he wrote about them would pop up first yeah, um, and he, you know, he really, 
you know, destroyed a couple of uh, important relationships that way. Well, let's talk about him because um, you recently had an event for this movie here in New York that uh, Justin came to and spoke at. So uh, what's your relationship with Justin 20 years on? Um, I don't know. I've always liked him. You know, I mean, we're not close buds. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, you know, I don't go into filming these kinds of things with the idea of becoming close buds with the people I'm filming. But uh, just as an observation, how, 20 years on, what has he evolved into? Oh. Um, well, I was going to say, that said, I have run into him every, every mm -hmm. bunch of years. I've done a couple of interviews over the years, and we created this you know, DVD extra of Justin looking back from a 20-year perspective. Um, uh, I don't know. I always thought he was a great guy, like a fascinating guy. And I think he's evolved into a really um, thoughtful, caring person and husband and father. Mm. You know, he's, uh, uh, he does a lot of the um, house, the, the child raising duties, like gladly, mm -hmm. loves it. Um, he now runs a, he got a hold of the um, URLbud.com back in, I think, 1994. He had the foresight to grab the URL and um, turned down a $50,000 offer way back when from Budweiser mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for it. And now he is the COO of Bud.com, which is a um, delivery service delivering uh, marijuana in California. Mainly around the Bay Area, but throughout California, so he's um, uh, and he's very passionate about it, and um, and so he's. Uh, I don't know. I thought he might be at, you know, way back then. I thought, ooh, this guy might be like the next Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or something. I I always thought he had that potential, mm -hmm. but um, the way he sees it, or has described it, is in large part because he came from a family of means. He didn't have that drive mm. to make money. Mm -hmm. And so he just channeled it in different ways. He was big into gaming over yeah. the years. He went out to Japan and lived in Japan for a couple of years. Um, he did a startup with his first wife around the, uh, some gaming yeah. uh, uh, software, I believe. Um, didn't work out. I think he was, that was, he talked about that when he was on, uh, that was fresh, I think, when we mm -hmm. spoke, yeah. Um, yeah, and he also had a very uh, difficult separation from his blog. Um, yeah. You know, his first wife, when they were starting to get serious, she did not want to be written about. And he felt like, if I can't write about it, then I, if I can't be honest about what I'm writing, I can't be writing. And then had a, 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 a quite public nervous breakdown <laughs> over over it uh, quite public because Justin videotaped himself having a breakdown during a phone conversation with a friend and then posted it on YouTube mm -hmm. that is like quintessential Justin yeah we definitely talked about that when he was on can I ask you a personal or sure. make a, an observation that's personal was this a, a midlife crisis movie yes yeah because and that that's a lot of what makes it work too in the same way that I was giving you credit for like you're the audience surrogate of like what is this and 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 you're evolving it but it's also there's a lot of like generation gap stuff where you're like what are you kids up to what is this um so in that sense was it a successful <laughs> midlife crisis project um i think so i mean you know in in you know, my infatuation with Justin and the internet and these young kids who are doing this like really groundbreaking pioneering work on it. You know, I made sort of almost the metaphor of an affair, mm -hmm. almost like I was having an affair with it. I go off and have this affair. Um, and, you know, my wife's not particularly happy with it. I mean, we we're, in, you know, there were issues we were working out personally, but also she was just not happy about the time I was spending away from home. Uh, uh, you know, we had a nine-year-old at the time that needed, and Marjorie was teaching a full course load, and, you know, it was very inconvenient for me to spend mm -hmm. chunks of time away. Um, 
but you know, it's just stuff that you know marriages go through. And you know, when you when I did the interview with her, the main interview with mm -hmm. her in the film, I mean, there are moments where she's on the verge of tears. Yeah, and I make it a point not to explain why. Uh, and Justin always wondered, you know, he he always told me his big gripe was the film. <clears throat> and in fact, actually, this comes out in the DVD extra when we were interviewing each other. You know that, you know, here I am, digging deep into everybody's personal life in the film, um, and clearly something's going on, and I am not, you know, fessing up to mm -hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm. I said, well, Justin, that's the difference between me being twenty years older than you. Yeah. You know, I don't feel the need. <clears throat> um, you know, it's also part of the art of storytelling is that, you know, sometimes it's it's more interesting to hint at something than to open, you know, the scab with a knife and well, let it bleed. I'm sure you're aware of this, but you are the true star of the film. It's not Justin. Oh. That's the point. Well, and, okay. and that's what makes the last scene powerful, too. When your wife says, you ask her, have I evolved? Am I home? And that's why it's two words, homepage, not one word. Right. So, yeah, it, it, is, it is ultimately you're the star of the film, and that's part of the reason why it works. Well, look, I've, I've had a lot of time to grapple with the art of personal documentary and personal storytelling over the years. I'm now in the middle of working on my fifth personal documentary, and homepage was the first. Um, and, you know, it's kind of the art, you know, of course it's all about you, but it's also the art of making it seem like it's not all about mm -hmm. you. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, actually, I kind of stayed at the beginning with the narration. I don't say it's a midlife crisis movie, but I say I'm something to the effect that I was halfway between college graduation and retirement. Um, uh, you know, I knew the internet was, you know, going to change the world. I was looking for a change, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I hadn't seen the film in 19 years. And when I heard that line, I just thought, hmm, that was a, that was a good way of putting it. You know, it, it it hints that I'm working stuff out, and this movie is a way of kind of working out some some personal stuff. Um, and I like the balance. You know, you say it's about me, and I guess in many ways, yeah, it is. But I think when you watch it, it doesn't feel that way. It certainly doesn't feel like it's my therapy. Um, it's, I, I, I like stories that do come from a personal place and are told in the first person, but then really focus on other people yeah. and get at what it is you're looking for, even if you can't even like, identify what that is. You know, it's just this kind of exploration. Because I think that's what we do in life. Yeah. I mean, all of us do that. You know, whatever interest we have in certain books or movies, or you know, are all for the goal of evolving as as people. You know, of learning more, of learning more about ourselves and our place in the world, and what we can do to impact the world in the little time we have here. Well, and don't get me wrong, the film still functions a hundred percent as an interesting historical document. So, listeners, if if you want yes. just that, believe me, it's it's the the best, at least in video form, uh, capturing of this of this era that, that I've ever seen. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, Twenty years on, is what's the reaction, and how is it different now? Are are, are audiences' reactions to it different now? I, I think so. I yeah. mean, I think people are like totally fascinated by this look back. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it is clearly. An historical document. Um, <clears throat> I mean, just you, you hear that um, sound of the dial-up modem and you're taken right back. There are screensavers on everybody's monitors. Right. <laughs> like the, the flying windows and it's like you forget. Yeah, if you had walked through an office like this 20 years ago, every computer that was not in use, you'd have those flying windows going by because everyone needed screensavers. Yeah. Like little things like that. There are, yeah, there are other little things. I mean, this was shot very lo-fi. Yeah. It, you know, it was before digital camcorders. You can totally tell that. It's got a square frame. Exactly, yeah. Um, it's not elegantly lit, you know. I mean, we're used to documentaries now being shot in these incredible 4K mm -hmm. cameras, um, you know, with, you know, incredible resolution. 
when we show a computer screen now, it's usually done in a kind of graphic sense where you see words being typed out in almost animation form. Uh, very clean, very creative, you know, little text bubbles when we're having a conversation. I just point my camera at a computer screen. You mm -hmm. see the roll bars, yeah, yeah, you yeah. see the shimmying. Yeah. Well, you also show actually the pictures taking time to line by line download right. onto the screen, <laughs> which actually is really effective when yeah. Carl Stedman yes. you know shows the photo. Yes, you know we hit the link. I talked about Carl. Like, why did you put the link up? And he goes, "Well, it told the story." And you know, you show me like clicking on the link, and in real time, as the photo loads, it reveals this car being you know pulverized by a huge truck and his girlfriend and her sister both killed in this car accident. And it's, um, it's very powerful in a way that just cutting to the photo wouldn't have been. Um, but I, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's fascinating in a couple of ways, I think, looking back from 20 years, you know, I think just from a nostalgia point of view of seeing what things looked and sounded like. And, uh, but I think also, I, I, I'm, I think the year that I followed Justin was a, you know, I got lucky. I think it was a pivotal transformational year for him personally, and I think it was for the internet as mm -hmm. well. And I was able to capture uh, and, the for, and foreshadow what would, what would happen to the internet all in the course of a year of filming. Um, so there was that, and I think also seeing what our aspirations were for the internet back then is very poignant and powerful in light of what it's become, in light of how we use social media now, not just to communicate and inspire, you know, educate, but like to, um, to knock people down and to uh, divide, and in, you know, in, in very real ways to turn elections or mm -hmm. in, you know, influence voting or uh, create revolutions or deflate revolutions. Mm -hmm. um, so we, you know, there's, there's just a really, really interesting naivete around new technologies that I think are really important, or they wouldn't have, you know, I, I think we greet every new kind of technology with great enthusiasm and hope that this will solve our problems, that this will make everything easy, that this will, um, you know, unite everyone. And then reality creeps in, and human nature creeps in. Um, and um, I won't, I won't say it's a depressing film because of that. You know, I mean, you have to kind of bring your attitudes towards where we are now with, with social media and the internet to it. I mean, not everybody's negative about it. I mean, a lot of people love the internet. A mm -hmm. lot of people think, you know, Twitter, Facebook, it's all great. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I, I think there's that aspect to it too. Everybody's coming to it from their own perspective on what the internet's like now. Yeah. Well, as I said, that's what really personally resonated with me, too. But um, so, like, listen, any five different angles you could come to this movie, and it's fantastic. It's well, thank you. Homepage, uh, iTunes is the preferred. Uh, yeah, it'll be, um, it's available on DVD as well. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you can go to Amazon to yeah. get the DVD. Um, it'll be streaming in a lot of different places, but um, the easiest and best place to go is iTunes. And, uh, the best way to get there is just go to homepagethemovie.com. Um, the trailer's there. The link is right there at the top. and um, You can pre-order it. Yes. That would be great. That gets it up to the front of iTunes. The exactly. more people that pre-order it, um, the better. So, uh, so press stop on this podcast. and Yeah, boys and girls, <laughs> men and women, get out there and pre-order. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Doug. Thanks, Brian. If you like what you've heard on this episode, please support us by subscribing to the podcast so you can get great news stories and conversations every two weeks. 
And please buy the book that was based on this podcast, How the Internet Happened from Netscape to the iPhone, by me, Brian McCullough. Order it now wherever books are sold. How the Internet Happened. And if you weren't aware, I host a daily tech news podcast every weekday that comes out at 5 p.m. In that show, I tell you what happened that day in the world of tech. It's only 15 to 20 minutes long, and it's great if you love tech news. Search your podcast app for Ride Home to find the show. It's called The Tech Meme Ride Home. Thanks. Thanks.